Hi everyone, you're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and wellbeing with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. I don't think that there is a food quite as debated about as coconut oil. A quick Google search brings up a multitude of articles with differing opinions, some authors claiming that coconut oil is a miracle cure oil, some claiming that it's the devil incarnate. The arguments about coconut oil bring along with it the debate of recent years about the links between heart disease, saturated fat and cholesterol. So it's incredibly difficult to unravel this mystery because there is a limited amount of research on coconut oil, especially in comparison to olive oil. And a lot of the claims made on the benefits of coconut oil are somewhat hypothetical, based around knowledge of its constituents, such as the type of saturated fat, lauric acid. The claims for coconut oil's health benefits can at times be outlandish. One article that I found when researching this topic claimed a whole 200 benefits. However, if you look, there is research. So if you compare the amount of research available on olive oil to that of coconut oil, and you can understand why the mainstream dietary recommendations are still not sold on this tropical oil. However, in the last few years, there have been some promising studies that are emerging that demonstrate some of its potential benefits, such as increasing HDL or the good cholesterol and reducing the progression of Alzheimer's disease. Of note is that the type of coconut oil used is important as virgin coconut oil can be beneficial and copra can be harmful. So I'll explain the differences a little bit later. Some of the older research papers on coconut oil don't actually clarify the form of the coconut oil that's used and then this confuses the whole issue. The analysis of nutritional medicine research can be challenging as there are many confounding factors which need to be taken into consideration when assessing the results of a study. For instance, observational data is often relying on dietary recall and human memory is exceptionally prone to flaws. Looking at diets of traditional cultures must also take into consideration their lifestyle. An example being the Japanese culture which ate large quantities of rice alongside long days of physical work, something that wouldn't be applicable to today's tendency to sedentary behaviour. And the frequent recommendation for large doses of coconut oil as a dietary supplement is actually more concerning than the multitude of topical uses often recommended in the blogosphere, but it may not be as dangerous as some would lead you to believe. Virgin coconut oil does provide some benefits when consumed in moderate amounts alongside a healthy diet and lifestyle. And topically, it can be very beneficial for skin and hair health and it shows promise for dental health. So let's go into a little bit more detail about traditional use of coconut oil. It has a strong history of use as a food in tropical and subtropical regions, both as a food and medicine. 
And coconuts are highly valued in Ayurvedic, which is Indian medicine, as a form of treatment for various complaints. And there's records of this dating back at least 4,000 years. Looking back at the health of cultures who have been consuming coconut products could give us an indication of the long-term effects of coconut oil. However, studies looking at the correlation between coconut oil consumption and heart disease find conflicting results. Polynesian societies rely heavy on coconut as a food source, and many advocates of coconut refer to these cultures when debating the impact that coconut can have on health, in particular heart disease. Polynesians are usually found to have low rates of heart disease despite having high LDL cholesterol. They are, however, very physically active and traditionally non-smokers, factors which cut the rates of heart disease considerably. A study comparing the cause of death between two population groups, Hong Kong and Singapore, attributed the higher rate of heart disease-related deaths in Singapore to actually be due to a higher consumption of saturated fats from animal, coconut and palm oil. In Sri Lanka, the rural populations who eat more coconut oil than city dwellers have lower rates of heart disease. However, they also eat more fruit and vegetables and are more physically active. Another study comparing a group of healthy patients and a group of people with heart disease, both groups were of similar age, in India found no correlation between the consumption of coconut oil and saturated fat and the rate of heart disease. So it's a little bit confusing, isn't it? So whenever claims about certain diets or food groups are made based on their historical use, it's important to think about whether that context is relevant to today. So a historical diet consumed alongside a modern lifestyle of working at a computer or sitting in traffic all day is not going to produce the same benefits. And similarly, a traditional food that is consumed alongside a standard Western diet may not be as beneficial as it once was. So traditional diets cannot be inserted into a Western lifestyle with a limited physical activity and the same results expected. Now, most coconut oils that you see for sale in health food shops are likely to be the virgin coconut oil, and this is the form of the coconut oil which provides the most health benefits. Virgin coconut oil is extracted from the fresh coconut kernel via a controlled temperature, and so therefore the beneficial nutrients, which is the tocotrienols, squalene, tocopherols, and cerols, they're preserved. And it's important to check that this is the type of coconut oil you're using as the other form available doesn't have these benefits. The other form is copra. So this is extracted from the dried kernel with no temperature control and it's often bleached, processed and deodorised. Copra and virgin coconut oil have that same fatty acid profile. However, the studies that compare copra to virgin coconut oil show that copra can actually increase risk factors for heart disease, whereas virgin coconut oil can lower them. And that's most likely due to the preservation of those beneficial nutrients. past, coconut oil was really strongly advised against, which is due to its high saturated fatty acid content, which is as high as 93%. Saturated fat can be composed of different types of fats, which are referred to as things like fatty acids or triglycerides, and the different types have different effects in the body. The two forms found in food are medium chain triglycerides or fatty acids and long chain triglycerides or fatty acids. 
Short-chain fatty acids are mostly produced by the bacteria in the digestive system when we eat vegetables. So coconut oil is mostly composed of lauric acid at about 49%, which is a medium-chain fatty acid. And the shorter the medium-chain fatty acid, the easier it is to be broken down and absorbed. However, lauric acid is the longest, meaning that it has 12 fatty acids in a strain. The shortest medium chain has only six. Now, coconut oil has a total of 64% medium chains, 28% long chains, and 8% unsaturated fatty acids. If you want to see a full breakdown of the detail, you can check out my blog for the breakdown of the actual composition of coconut oil because I don't want to bore you over a podcast with all those sort of percentages, but mostly it is medium chain triglycerides. So can coconut oil actually help you to lose weight? According to a lot of bloggers, it can. However, it doesn't seem that the available research really supports this solidly. There is some research that showing that the type of fat that coconut oil contains, which is, as you know, medium chain triglycerides, can help with weight loss in the short term. However, there isn't proof that this same effect can be achieved when you're consuming coconut oil in its natural form, and it doesn't seem to work as well long term. So we know that fats are composed of a chain of various lengths of fatty acids, and the length of these chains determines how they're metabolized in the body. And we know that coconut oil is composed predominantly of medium chain fatty acids. And this type of fat is considered to increase our energy expenditure of the body more than the other types of fats. And it also improves our satiety, which actually helps to reduce calorie consumption. Because if something improves your satiety, it means that it makes you feel more full. Now, most claims for the use of coconut oil as a tool for weight loss are based on studies done on isolated medium chain triglycerides. So can we actually extrapolate the benefits of medium chain triglycerides onto coconut oil? Um, It's possible, but really not for sure. I would say that if you're going to be doing something like a ketogenic diet and you want to achieve this benefit, you're better off actually just using the actual MCT oil itself. Because most of these MCT blends contain a higher proportion of C8 and C10, whereas coconut oil is higher in C12. So just what I mean by that is like the length of the fatty acid chain. So there's no unsaturated fatty acids in the MCT blends and there's also no long chain fatty acids. Um, And so coconut oil actually does contain some of those. The main difference in how MCTs and LCTs or long chain fatty acids are actually used in the body is really based on how they're actually utilized by um, our metabolism once we use them. So because MCTs only contain six to 12 carbon fatty acids, they're relatively water soluble. And so they actually get directly absorbed into the liver and then they go undergo oxidation, which means they're used as energy. Whereas long chain fatty acids have greater than 12 carbon fatty acids. And so these are transported into the lymphatic system via a substance called chylomicrons. And from there, they can be taken up into our fat cells or stored as fat. Now, the beneficial effect of MCTs for weight loss has only been studied in the short term. So whether we can see sustainable changes in body composition from the inclusion of MCT-rich coconut oil in our diets, it's uncertain. And you've got to remember that just consuming MCT on its own will not result in weight loss, especially if it's taken as a supplement without any other diet or lifestyle change. It's got to be included in the diet as a replacement for other types of fats, 
especially trans fats and hydrogenated oils, such as you know your deep fried stuff, um, and then weight loss might occur more easily, at least in the short term anyway. And most promising is when you see that it's done in in addition to a ketogenic style diet where um, it's actually used as a supplement to actually help with fat burning and fat utilization. So studies that analyze the metabolic effects of the MCTs are usually structured by splitting groups that of those can, that consume the MCTs and those that consume other types of fat such as long chain triglycerides from animal fat and um, also a, mo a mono or a polyunsaturated fat such as corn or soy oil. And the energy expenditure is mostly found to be greater in those groups that are given MCTs, so which means it boosts your metabolism. Uh, but most studies only really assess this over a short period. There was a study that actually found this effect only lasted for about seven days and stopped after 14 days. So that suggests that potentially you could be looking at using this in short bursts of a time while you're doing a, a ketogenic diet. Now, whether MCTs and coconut oil affects body composition or not is a different matter. Some studies have looked at the MCT intake and body composition and found that there was a minimal effect over the long term. An animal study that compared MCTs to lard, corn oil and fish oil found the best effect in body composition over a period of six months to actually be from fish oil, not MCT. The overall body weight stayed the same in all groups. However, the fish oil group had a slight reduction in how much calories they consumed and they were also found to have less total body fat and less fat in their intra-abdominal cavity. And they also had less insulin resistance than all of the other groups. However, this study didn't do other sorts of diet and lifestyle changes in addition to this. So as a supplement on its own, MCT, not so good. Fish oil is good if it's good quality, but if it's done alongside diet and lifestyle changes, MCT definitely has potential. Now there was another study that looked at comparing soy oil and coconut oil alongside a lower calorie diet and an increased vegetable diet with 50 minutes of walking per day in a group of women. And they found that both groups actually had a reduction in their BMI. However, the coconut oil group had increased good cholesterol and lowered waist circumference, whereas the soy oil group had an increase in their bad cholesterol, the LDL. So while the results are interesting, they aren't anything to really make that big a deal of, as the waist measurement reduction was fairly small, and it also wasn't really mentioned whether the oil used in this study was virgin or not. But Got to remember that another way that coconut oil might be helpful for weight loss is by improving satiety. So in consuming MCT instead of LCT in one meal usually does result in less calorie consumption in the following meals from some studies. And hypothetically, this should result in weight loss when continued over a period of time. However, there are insufficient long-term studies to confirm this and there are conflicting results which show this to not be the case. It seems that the best effects are observed in males and in those who are overweight to begin with. So another reported benefit of coconut oil is its antimicrobial and antifungal properties, which are mainly attributed to its constituents lauric acid and capric acid. And it's thought that these MCTs disrupt the cell membrane of the microbe, resulting in its death. Lauric acid is considered to be the main component of coconut oil that provides the antimicrobial property as it converts into a potent antimicrobial chemical called monolaurin. 
Monolaurin has been shown to have strong effect against various bacteria and fungus when studied in vitro. However, it's not properly understood whether this same mechanism can actually be applied to the ingestion of coconut oil. When it's applied topically, coconut oil may be helpful in treating things like candida albicans infections. And as an added bonus, it's also very soothing to dry and inflamed skin. Other studies that looked at the isolated components, lauric acid or monolaurin, found that they had benefit against various microorganisms, including Staphylococcus aureus and Propiobacterium acnes, which is the bacteria responsible for causing the acne on our skin. Um, and it's also, coconut oil has also been found to act as a preservative when it's compounded into creams. Now this shows promise as coconut oil is unlikely to promote antibiotic resistance in the organisms. So opting for a treatment such as coconut oil for a first option could be a good idea. And there has been some studies that found that coconut oil is actually helpful to protect against antibiotic damage. There are some antibiotics which are harmful to the liver and kidneys. Uh, and there was a study on rats that actually found that virgin coconut oil at a dose of 600 milligrams per kilogram can help to protect against that damage. There is also, while limited, some evidence to suggest that coconut oil can be effective when used with some essential oils as a spray for head lice. The study compared the use of a spray containing coconut oil anise oil, lang lang oil, um, and yeah, compared that to a chemical spray. And both sprays were effective in treating um, around 92% of the children. So that would be a really good alternative. And coconut oil, a lot of people use it for helping their hair. They use its hair masks and that sort of thing. Um, and it has been shown to prevent hair damage and strengthen the hair shaft itself. It's actually able to penetrate the hair shaft more than other types of oil, which might be why it's providing such a strengthening effect to the hair. It, it's used really frequently as a hair tonic and conditioner. However, it can cause some skin irritation if it's not washed out thoroughly. However, that's only for some people. It's also quite helpful to use as a wound healing agent. When um, applied topically to minor wounds, virgin coconut oil has been shown to help them heal more effectively. And that's been done on rat studies as well as some human studies when it's been applied topically for about 10 days or so. And have you ever heard of oil pulling? Well, this is an ancient Ayurvedic practice where you put a tablespoon of coconut oil in your mouth and you swish it around for about to 20 minutes or so. And it might sound like a strange thing to do for some people, but this health practice has actually been around for many years. Originally, it started with using sesame oil um, as a way to, pr to promote um, good dental health. How and sunflower oil is another one that they used. However, with the recent awareness of the benefits of this lauric acid in coconut oil as an antimicrobial, um, the use of coconut oil for oil pulling has become more popular. Until recently, there was limited evidence to support this, but there's been some preliminary studies that have actually found that oil pulling with coconut oil can both decrease plaque and gingivitis after seven days, and the effects will actually increase with time. So the more you do it, the better it is. There was another theory that was proposed by the authors of that particular study that showed that coconut oil reacts with the saliva to produce a reaction that makes it like a soap, which is called saponification. And that actually is what helps it to reduce the adhesion of plaque. Another thing that coconut oil is used a lot for is brain health. 
Alzheimer's disease, it's a condition that causes a great deal of distress for the people who have it and also for their loved ones. However, there's really very little that can be done about it. Fortunately, though, MCTs and virgin coconut oil have shown promise as a tool to uh, reduce the progression of Alzheimer's disease disease by improving energy energy delivery to the brain and also by supplying some beneficial compounds to prevent the development of the condition and also possibly by reducing the risk factors for Alzheimer's disease which are things like diabetes and obesity. The use of coconut oil as a tool for helping brain health and Alzheimer's disease does conflict with our understanding of previous recommendations for the condition which is a low saturated fat diet. Um, however, we know, as we've said, that obesity and insulin resistance are risk factors for Alzheimer's disease. And traditionally, it was thought that coconut oil was considered to cause these issues. However, as we've already spoken about, it's the use of virgin coconut oil um, in particular that seems to have the benefits. And the virgin coconut oil doesn't seem to produce those side effects. As you've already learnt, coconut oil contains 64% MCTs. Um, and that type of fat is quickly absorbed and metabolized. And one of the processes that takes place in this is the production of ketones, something that the brain can easily use as a fuel source. Now, for many people with men memory problems, such as Alzheimer's disease, coconut oil might be quite helpful in that. A ketogenic diet is also something that's been shown to be really helpful for brain health and has been researched in Alzheimer's disease and dementia. It's also been really helpful in epilepsy, particularly in children's epilepsy and those who are unresponsive to medication. So that's really exciting. Most of the studies that have been using coconut oil extracts in Alzheimer's disease and brain health are actually using um, the specific extract of the MCT caprylic acid. And that's actually only present in around 7% in coconut oil. So as a supplement by itself, coconut oil might not be able to produce the same results that caprylic acid on its own can do for Alzheimer's disease. But the use of coconut oil in cooking could be helpful for early stages and also as an aid, aid for prevention. And also um, thinking about supplementing with MCT might be more useful in the mid to late stages of the condition. However, I do suggest that if you're going to do that, you do it under the guidance of a healthcare practitioner. Another of the claims that are made in favour of coconut oil are its ability to help underactive thyroid. Now, this is unfortunately not backed up by any research. However, there is an anecdotal evidence that's quite prevalent. It's most likely that the benefits of coconut oil for the thyroid are because you're replacing soy oil or other hydrogenated polyunsaturated oils, such as processed foods, and replacing that with whole foods that are cooked in coconut oil, and also because coconut oil helps to reduce the appetite and stimulate the metabolism because of its medium-chain triglycerides. There is a theory that the hormonal conditions in westernized societies are actually due to the increased use of vegetable oils because they place a lot of oxidative stress on our bodies. However, I think that that is, you know, that's one drop in the ocean of many things that are going to be affecting it. But if we can change that, you know, that's going to be really good. So would I recommend someone to use coconut oil as a method of improving their thyroid function? Well, that's, that's complicated. Underactive thyroid function can cause weight issues and coconut oil taken in addition to your diet is a significant extra source of calories. If it's used instead of other forms of oils and fats, it might be beneficial. 
especially if the rest of the diet and exercise levels are also addressed. There is concern from some that coconut oil can potentially increase one's risk for heart disease and cause elevated cholesterol, which is also some of the same issues that thyroid disease can possibly cause. However, elevated cholesterol will unlikely cause an immediate threat to heart health unless it's accompanied by the other risk factors. And as virgin coconut oil predominantly raises the good type of cholesterol, this might be less of a concern. So the biggest concern that I have is that coconut oil is promoted by some as being a cure oil for thyroid function. Now, thyroid disease can be due to various causes such as nutritional deficiencies like iodine, tyrosine or selenium. It can be due to physical trauma, infections, heavy metal toxicity and coconut oil wouldn't address any of those factors. It might be helpful for thyroid health, but the research doesn't appear to support it. So if you're not at risk of high heart of heart disease, it might be worthwhile trialing the introduction of coconut oil into your diet whilst working with a health practitioner to see if that provides a benefit to you. So while we've been talking about that, let's get into coconut oil and heart health. There's still a lot of debate as to whether coconut oil is beneficial for heart health or not, and the quantity of research out there is still insufficient to have a clear answer either way. The research that shows the benefits of coconut oil for the heart are only present when the coconut oil is actually the virgin one that's used, and the studies that have a negative effect on the heart are most often using copra or an unspecified form of, it, of coconut oil. So while virgin coconut oil does raise cholesterol, it's mostly the HDL, the good cholesterol, and this effect is only evident when the virgin coconut oil is used, whereas the non-virgin coconut oil can raise LDL cholesterol. And we know the risk factors that contribute towards heart disease, such as obesity, are unlikely to be sufficiently improved by coconut oil consumption to have a benefit, as we've already spoken about. There is a lot of debate in the blogosphere about cholesterol, and it seems that the evidence is there on both sides to support each argument. In case you've not been following it, I've simplified it for you. The cholesterol is evil argument goes along these lines. High cholesterol levels are a major risk disease for heart disease. LDL cholesterol is bad, HDL is good. Heart disease is caused when a complicated chemical and immune process takes place at a roughened and damaged part of the artery wall, such as at the bends and kinks of the arteries. This process essentially involves layers of foamy cholesterol being put down on the artery wall like a band-aid. However, the longer it goes on, it becomes harder and more dangerous as bits can slough off and form a clot. And after this, the opinions differ. Consuming cholesterol from fatty foods in our diet is considered to be a driving factor of this process. The worst type of fat coming from saturated fatty acids, which increase our bad cholesterol LDL. And then in order to reduce our risk of heart disease, we should therefore not consume saturated fat and lower our cholesterol levels in our blood by taking medications to do so. Now, the cholesterol isn't the enemy argument goes something like this. Dietary fat isn't as bad as we once thought, and what we should be more concerned about is the excess consumption of sugar. When we consume too much sugar and process carbohydrates, this causes insulin resistance, which can increase inflammation and make our arteries more susceptible to damage, which means more cholesterol is going to be laid down in the manner described above. The difference is that if we have healthy arteries, cholesterol isn't going to be so much of a problem. 
eating saturated fat may mean our cholesterol levels are higher, but this doesn't always equate, equate to increased risk of heart disease. Low-fat diets and avoidance of saturated fats has meant that we now consume more sugar, more refined carbohydrates, and more hydrogenated vegetable oils, which increase inflammation and are worse for our heart health than a high-fat diet. Now, as I said, I've simplified those arguments, and there are many complicating factors when looking at risk factors for heart disease. There are similar recommendations for both groups in that consuming a higher intake of omega-3 fatty acids such as from seafood, plenty of vegetables and the importance of addressing other risk factors for heart disease such as stress, obesity and high blood pressure are the case. So just for your information, that's the cholesterol debate. Now let's go back in time to when coconut oil was the worst. In the 1980s, there was a big push for people to choose oils that were the lowest in saturated fatty acids, such as canola oil. Oils and foods that were highest in saturated fatty acids, such as butter, and the worst, coconut oil, were to be avoided. At this point, there was no distinction made between the different types of saturated fatty acids, and the main coconut oil in use at the time was copra. To give you an idea about how bad copper is, it's what scientists used to feed rats to induce fatty liver and insulin resistance. Now, there is a much greater understanding of the nature of medium-chain triglycerides and the difference between copper and virgin coconut oil. So, we know virgin coconut oil, but not copper, is good for the heart. One of the beneficial compounds that is retained in virgin coconut oil is the phenols. These have high antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties, which are healing to the artery walls. The phenols are also responsible for balancing cholesterol levels, increasing beneficial HDL and lowering, lowering LDL and VLDL. Virgin coconut oil has also been found to reduce the risk of thrombus formation in some studies as well. However, there is conflicting research that shows that coconut oil consumption in comparison to safflower oil results in a negative effect on arteries and clot formations. However, there was no distinction made in this particular study as to whether this was virgin coconut oil or copra. As we've previously spoken about, replacing long-chain triglycerides with medium-chain triglycerides in our diet can potentially result in a short-term weight loss and a reduction in waist circumference, which will help to protect heart health. The best results are obtained when the diet overall is improved alongside an improvement in activity levels. As far as the research goes, it's promising. The issue, however, is the quantity of research is not enough to instigate a widespread recommendation of coconut oil use, particularly when you compare it to available research of that of olive oil or other omega-3 rich foods. If what we understand to be the main difference between virgin coconut oil and copra is to be the antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties, then it would make sense that to have a diet high in a variety of antioxidants and omega-3 is beneficial. Olive oil and virgin coconut oil are fats which provide antioxidants. Seafood is a good source of omega-3 and a broad variety of fruit and vegetable provides antioxidants. So coconut oil on its own may not provide a sufficient benefit, but replacing hydrogenated and trans oils with coconut oil and consuming it alongside a healthy diet is a good idea. Now, so far, we've mostly covered the beneficial effects of coconut oil, but there are some negative aspects to coconut oil. A 2015 study found that mice fed lauric acid, 
which is the main medium chain triglyceride in coconut oil, had an increase in the T helper of 17 immune cells, which contribute towards digestive inflammation, autoimmunity, and can cause your immune system to attack your nerve cells. This effect was cancelled out by the consumption of short chain fatty acids alongside the oil. Now we can mimic this beneficial effect by eating a diet rich in vegetables. So while this information might sound a bit scary, it comes back to the key point. Eat your vegetables. Also, don't overdo it on the coconut oil. Maybe stick to two tablespoons a day at most. Now, many people opt for coconut as an alternative to dairy. However, it's possible to be reactive to coconut products. While the rates of coconut allergy are generally low and often considered to be a good option for those with many allergies, allergies have been reported. It's more common to be reactive to the use of coconut oil on your skin rather than ingesting it. Products containing coconut-derived ingredients such as coconut diethanolamide, cocamide sulfate and cocamide DEA, CDEA could be problematic for those experiencing a coconut allergy. So it's always a good idea to patch test any new product. What about its environmental impact? Food miles is a term used to indicate how much of an impact a food has on the environment based on the distance that it has had to travel to get from where it was grown to your plate. Foods that need to be transported from distant countries, coconuts are mostly grown in Indonesia, the Philippines and India, are a big contributor to the world's greenhouse gas emissions. Coconut trees don't age well and so require a large area of land to be planted on for farmers to keep up with demand. This act of monofarming takes its toll on native plants and can be a drain on the soil, resulting in the need for chemical fertilisers, which can be harmful to the soil, water and air health. To reduce your impact, just don't overdo it on the coconut oil. Choose certified organic and fair trade certified coconut oil and recycle your containers properly after you're finished. So, do I recommend taking coconut oil as a supplement? Generally, no, at least until further research is available. Do I recommend using coconut oil in cooking? Yes, in moderation. Don't go over two tablespoons a day. If you are making vegan baked goods, this can be a good alternative for butter. I consider it to be a better choice than margarine. However, if you are frying or roasting, olive oil is likely to be the better choice. Chances are, if you're vegan, you're having a lot of vegetables and minimal fat, so this will be fine for you. For people at risk of Alzheimer's disease, it may be worthwhile to use coconut oil for a frying medium, with some olive oil use occasionally as well, and to have plenty of veggies alongside it. Do I recommend using coconut oil topically? Yes. I can't see any harm in this, except for perhaps that it may get smelly if you leave the oil on your skin in the day, or if you have an allergy. My favourite uses of topical coconut oil are as a cleanser or makeup remover, as a hair and scalp treatment, and as an ingredient in balms and moisturisers, alongside other beneficial oils and waxes. What about oil pulling with coconut oil? Yes! Dental health is important, and coconut oil is an easy and relatively inexpensive way to look after your teeth and gums when used alongside brushing and flossing. Essentially, coconut oil doesn't need to be avoided, but you need to make sure it's the virgin extract, don't go overboard with it, and consume it in the context of a healthy diet. So thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you've gotten some information out of it. If you've enjoyed it, please leave me a review on iTunes for five stars and please subscribe. As always, please feel free to 
send me an email or a comment letting me know any topics that you'd like me to cover for you. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye.